There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows that used to be on the Sci-Fi channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode two of season six of The Expanse. Ooh. <laughs> it's got so much happening. Yes, there is. And I will have to say, and I know I'm jumping way ahead, but when a certain somebody calls a certain someone else old lady, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know you're not saying that in front of her because somebody get a smackdown. So it was so good, though. So good. Yes. Well, let's jump right into episode two, Azure Dragon, with an unexpected passenger aboard the Rasanati, Holden and crew undertake a dangerous mission that could shift the balance of power in the war. Drummer decides to make an uneasy alliance, and Philippe wrestles with guilt. I'm telling you, he's going to snap and shoot Marco. Like, I totally feel that. Yeah. That may be the only way we get rid of Marco. <laughs> you know what? You might be right. Yeah. As always, we open on Laconia, where our little girl is racing to get help for the injured little bird as it clings to life. She's moving so frantically that she nearly steps into the path of an oncoming jeep, which is going awfully fast, considering it's on a narrow road through the forest. Yeah. I was like, well, what's happening? Is something bad going to happen? That's what I was feeling. Right, yes. And it's still a possibility, I think. True, true. Her mom and dad, who are scientists, comfort her as the creature dies, but they also gently remind her that they're on an alien planet and feeding human snacks to the local wildlife isn't a good idea. They have different kind of chemistry that doesn't work well with ours, her mother explains. While the little girl worries about the baby birds left behind, her parents hustle off to a meeting with the soldiers, griping that we have nothing to do with whatever they're building in orbit and about their communications being cut off from back home. Oh my god, I kept thinking she was saying like elders, not soldiers. That makes right. way more sense yes. now. <laughs> so I'm like, why wouldn't she, what? And can I say the thing, that container, this is funny. The container that they put the dead baby bird thing in. Right. I literally have that. I have my tea in it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's Rubbermaid. So nice placement there, yes. Rubbermaid, for those of us who have those containers. I know, random, but I thought it was funny. Okay, This all feels like important foreshadowing, but that all kind of gets brushed aside when the girl, after telling her Little brother, not to follow her, returns to the woods to try and help the baby bird. Imagine her surprise when the strange dog we met last week emerges from a bush and snatches the bird carcass away in its mouth. 
What? He was hungry. That's kind of what animals do. Yes. And if you weren't ready to bury it, why'd you open it then? Yes, absolutely. The dog thinks like, hey, look, snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, the fact that she fed the bird the food and it killed the bird, I feel is like going to have a really weird cascading effect. Because the dog's going to eat the bird that died from the food, which is still in its system, and then next domino, next domino. I think it's going to go bad really fast. Yep, it very well could. And what the heck caused the little drone to short out? Right. Because I feel like that was more than just bad luck. Yeah, I think so too. So I'm kind of worried. Yes. But she was a little dramatic. I mean, I guess we all were at that age. Absolutely. Well, speaking of dramatic, (laughs) (laughs) languishing in a Cersei's jail cell, morose murderer Filipinaros, at least until his father shows up and uses his intimidating whisper to force the station admin Nico to let him go. Marco informs Philip his cover story is that he acted in self-defense and says he doesn't plan on to punish him further, though he does get a major knife twist in. I think the embarrassment you've become since we've arrived on Cersei would be punishment enough. Ooh, that's, that's rough. Yes. In the Inaros family, this passes as a teaching moment. Well, it'd be kind of hard to learn when your dad's trashing you like that. Yeah, I just feel like this is a moment for Marco to feel big about himself and belittle his child. It's not exactly teaching. Marco, who's sporting a pretty intense top knot as his hairdo of choice this season, he's on the pellet talking with Rosenfeld about getting supplies to Medina. As this episode shows, the importance of supplies is a recurring theme on The Expanse, just another example of the show's commitment to realism amid its futuristic sci-fi setting. Yeah, so many shows don't talk about that. Right. It's just like, oh, it's there, or oh no, they're starving because they couldn't grow enough and then it's like that's it right so i do like how they're throwing in the realism so kudos to the writers yes but the conversation soon turns to philip as the scene cuts to him sadly pawing through his dead best friend's belonging he really seems to feel genuine regret and shame for what he did and rosenvelt actually proves to be a good sounding board for marco's complicated feelings about his son she also has the guts to tell Marco he needs to stop fussing over Philip because it's distracting him from the war. Whoa. Do you feel like she's trying to squeeze her way in? I was trying to find the right words there. Into like be on the same level as Marco or to be like his right hand person, like more so than she is, or like even more to be like a romantic interest on top of everything? Because it just felt very awkward. Oh, yeah, she's got something up her sleeve. There is no doubt in my mind. We just don't know what yet. So, yeah, I don't trust her about as much as I don't trust Marco. (laughs) Right. I have to agree with you there. Marco is taken aback by her honesty, especially since most of his acolytes are afraid of him. But he appreciates that she's a straight shooter. Later aboard the Pella, Marco has gotten the news about the Azure Dragon. Specifically, that all the valuable data it was carrying is now in the enemy's hands. Ha ha ha. Soon, Earth and Mars won't be tasking their combined military forces with stopping more rock attacks. They'll be free to come after the free Navy. 
presumably making their first stop, Cersei, uh, to take back control of the station. No need to be glum, he tells Rosenfeld. You said the fight would soon come enough. Here it is. I don't think she was quite ready for the way things are moving forward. Right. Because, like I said, I feel like she's got just some other plan. Right. And then Marco acting like he knows everything, like, oh, it's fine. I think it's going to be his downfall. I hope it's going to be his downfall. Yeah, there's definitely a plan that Marco has and a plan that Rosenfeld has. And I think with the Rossi getting the information off the Azure Dragon, that interrupts those plans. And that probably affects Rosenfeld more than it does Marco. Because Marco really doesn't care about what happens to the other Belters. You know, they can all starve as far as he's concerned, where Rosenfeld right. might be trying to at least do something for the Belters. I don't know for sure. I don't know. That's like, now that you're saying that kind of out loud, like I kind of felt like Marco's like, oh, screw everybody. I'm going to fake it and they'll right. they'll just follow me. Yeah. But yeah, now I, oh, I don't know if she's trying to help or hinder or, yeah, or if she's undercover spy or yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's only episode two, and I'm like, I don't trust you, but maybe I should trust you. I don't know. Yeah. I'm so confused already. She's so (laughs) stone-faced and stoic all the time, it's hard to get a good read on her, that's for sure. Yes. In the belt, Drummer's sole remaining ship, the Tynan, docks with a ship of a former OPA smuggler named Walker, who's agreed to take the battle-weary Michu aboard as part of his crew. The scene is brimming with tension, but Drummer soon realizes Walker, who is free Navy, but loathes Marcos. Walker's sly crack that I intimidate him sexually (laughs) is one hell of an icebreaker and is more on her wavelength than she realized. Well, I thought it was funny because Michio, she looked a little taken aback, like, oh, God, what does this mean? What's he going to do to me? Yes. (laughs) It's like, no, no. uh, Delivered into a sex trafficking operation here. Yeah, she looked scared, and I wouldn't have blamed her at that point. Yeah. Now, when he tells her Marco's been moving supplies off stations to supply depots stashed around the belt, she's intrigued, and it gives her an idea. If there are other ex-OPA free Navy members who are tiring of being under Marco's control, tired of licking the floor for scraps, as Drummer puts it, maybe they can band together to take some of the power back like the pirates they used to be. I like the sound of that. Drummer needs all the help she can get. I hope that there's going to be a whole bunch, and for some reason I really want like a Jolly Roger like flag, (laughs) like painted on the side of the ship somehow. (laughs) This makes no sense, but this is what I want. Board the UNNN flagship Zenobia, intrepid journalist Monica Stewart has figured out that something big just went down. She hears two officers talking about it, and when she runs into Ava Solara, who's clearly feeling awfully satisfied about the Rossi's big success, but won't give her a scoop without something back first. Instead, she asks her to create a series of stories about what the belt is doing to us. That'll carry more credibility than the state-run media. Monica is reluctant, saying she doesn't do propaganda. But Avicelara lays it on 
thick saying that the project could make it just a little harder for them to feel good about killing Earthers and insinuating that if Monica turns her down, she will always wonder if her stories could have prevented more deaths. That's what got her. Yes, it did. Damn you. My ego. Yes. Yeah. And Monica compliments her on the guilt trip routine. Chrissy says, oh, yeah. I practice a lot when I'm alone. I love that. It's like, yeah, I've had a lot of practice. It's fine. And we had an extra scene. Yes, we did. Please jump in because, again, did not watch this on my computer. Did not get to watch X-Ray. I wonder if I can catch that, though, on Roku. Because I have that in one of the rooms. Right. Yeah, I have not check. been able to get it on my streaming service. Uh, you have to do it on a computer. In this scene, Avasalara even though she had gotten some good news, had also gotten some bad news earlier about being able to feed people. And she goes into her office, basically locks the door, turns all the lights out to grab a quick little power nap. But before she can get to sleep, she gets a message from her granddaughter. Granddaughter knows that her mom's told her not to message her grandma because she's so busy with everything but she just had to show her her garden that she's got planted is actually starting to grow stuff which brings Avasalara out of her funk as she tells her granddaughter that she can message her anytime she wants and don't tell her mom to see a little personal scene with Avasalara and her granddaughter which is great to see and i think we're starting yeah Ivis Solara was really tough on on monica but i still think there's a softening going on here from the first time she was in charge to this time i don't think this is quite the same Ivis Solara that we saw back in season one and season two we shall see if this path continues on softening or if she goes back to her old ways where she'll do anything to get what she wants. See, I was thinking that she's changed because she's lost so many people. Right. And that's so true. it's going to make her harder politically, but softer personally, if that makes sense. Okay. And I'm wondering, since I didn't get to see the extra scene, the fact that her granddaughter's garden is growing. Right. If this is something that's giving her hope, too. Yes, I believe it is. Is it? And that may change a lot of things. Yes. Seeing that her granddaughter was able to get a small garden growing, then surely they can figure something out to get more growing. Yes. Meanwhile, that, that's going to change stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the belt, the Rasanati is linked to a UNN supply ship, restocking ahead of the crew's quest to track down. Marco Anaro's spotter ship, the Azure Dragon, when they're told their mission specialist is ready to board. What? <laughs> Holden is, yeah, I love that. Like, who are you talking about? What? Yeah, Holden is surprised by this until he hears the orders came direct from Secretary General herself. And the- I love it at that point when he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he resigns himself to, all right, I can't talk about it. Got it. Yeah. And the battle-ready Bobby Draper appears, ready to help the Rossi kick some free Navy ass. Time to lock and load indeed. Now aboard the Rossi, Bobby is going over the Azure Dragon data with the rest of the crew, and she informs them they are going to capture it. 
Of course, this surprises everybody because they were expecting a search and destroy operation. Bobby says Avasalara wants to preserve the data on board. Uh, that's really pretty smart. Right. Because that way you at least have an idea of what is happening. Yeah. Where everything is. Yes. Now, of course, this makes the mission way more dangerous and also non-political since the Rossi is an independent outfit. If we fuck up, it's on us, Holden says grimly. Yeah, I love Amos, though. Of course, Amos is always about, like, well, how much you getting paid for this? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure you guys are going to be paid eventually if you make it. Yeah. And you don't die. Bobby protests that it's more about morale. The good guys need a win and also points out she'll be doing most of the heavy lifting. But there's still an unease among the crew. Amos and Holden are worried about taking unnecessary risks. Amos is also <laughs> worried about not getting paid enough for taking said risks. While Naomi can't get excited about killing belters, even ones that are part of Marco's free navy. After that awkward group meeting, Bobby's shocked to see noted fugitive Clarissa aboard, but she goes along with it. Holden shifts gears and asks Bobby if she's heard of any ships going missing at the ring during transit, particularly the rogue MCRN ship Barkeep, and says that he thinks it might have something to do with the proto-molecule that was stolen from Fred. Well, it's a mystery to Bobby as well, but she tells Holden she'll look into it. And that's our weekly reminder about the protomolecules ever troubling continued existence. I want to ask, though, why do we think what Fred Johnson had is so different? Or do you think it's just evolved now because of everything that's happened? That's a good question. I think it's still probably, well, when Anaros got the protomolecule, it was basically the same thing that they had. But seeing that they've got the Martian protomolecule specialist in their grasp, it's very possible that it has evolved into something else that we don't know anything about yet. I'm wondering if it also has something to do with the planet when they set everything off down there. Right. If very it's well like, have. yeah, it just kind of moved everything. Yep. Very possible. Because we know that some species built the protomolecule, but we still don't have a complete picture of what it's supposed to be doing and what its capabilities actually are totally. Now, this episode, I think the only way we know everything is if we read all the books. Yes. <laughs> the episode builds to its big scene about three-fourths of the way through as the Rossinati closes in on the Azure Dragon. Everyone suits up for the ambush, Bobby in her Martian power armor, which Amos admires, to which Bobby replies he couldn't handle it and calls him Pee-wee. <laughs> Dragon spots them and the Rossi has to give chase. Bobby shouts at Holden not to destroy the other ship, reminding him that she's in charge and the mission is to capture data. Once the Rossi is close enough, Bobby launches herself onto the side of the dragon's hull and detonates a charge that renders it temporarily dead in the water. Oh my god, as she did that, I was like, oh, she's not going to make it. I was freaking out. I really wasn't sure if it was going to happen. Right. As Amos heads over to blow the airlock, Naomi prepares to leap after him, only to suddenly freeze at the last minute. The PTSD after last season's harrowing, unhelmeted spacewalk, no doubt. Yeah. 
When she hesitates, Clarissa makes the jump instead, and Naomi guides her in deactivating the ship's reactor. Feels like she's defusing a bomb in an action movie from aboard the Rossi. I like the fact that Peach is pretty much covered. Like, oh, she just had a technical malfunction. Of course, then Holden's freaking out. Right. But I, I thought that was interesting. It's like, even as cold as Naomi has been, Peaches is like, I got this. Don't worry. Right. And when a trio of belters suddenly appear, guns blazing, Bobby goes into defensive mode until Clarissa activates her super strength mods, saving Bobby from a dangerous blast, but also puking and passing out in the process. So, is Bobby going to have a change of heart now that Clarissa saved her life? Well, let's hope so. I was confused with what happened. Like, I watched that moment twice, and I'm like, what yeah, am I missing? Don't, yeah, you, they don't show you. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's why I was like, did it, like, skip or something? I, I th- thought something was wrong on my TV. No, no. Okay. All right. I feel a little better now. Yes. Thanks. Because <laughs> I'm like, wait, she modded, and then she's like sitting there with puke like right. which was gross by the yes, way absolutely again to your health don't yes. need to see the puke nope that was intentionally done that way why i don't know i'd much rather i guess trying to show her modding out in in space on a ship is probably a little more tougher than being on a planet so that's probably why you know because she's got that ungodly super speed and strength so And she does say later that she's just so used to doing it. It was kind of habit more than anything. So, and and again, when you have Bobby, who was not happy with Peaches on the ship, kind of covering for her later. Right. It's like, huh, okay, interesting. (laughs) While Bobby gets her back to the Rossi, Holden Amos take out the final belter after they board the dragon. With Naomi and the Rossi's help, they're quickly able to access the ship's data core, unlocking the Motherload, a catalog of every single stealth rock Marco has aimed at the Earth. Yeah, that the Motherload, all right. Oh my god, that was crazy how much we've seen. Yes. And I felt like Holden still like wasn't showing any kind of, I don't know, relief, like, oh, we got this information, we can finally do something. He's just like, hmm, okay. I know he hasn't exactly been the most, like, emotional person through this whole ride, but I feel like he's shown more than just like, hmm, okay. Like, did you get that same feel? Yeah. And you got to remember, Holden is not military, and he's really got his own point of view of everything that's more focused on the proto-molecule than what everybody else is doing. Because he found out that Naomi didn't destroy that last bit. He knows it's out there somewhere. And this thing with the barkeep is just gnawing at him, saying there's still something going on that with Proto Molecule that's probably going to come back and kill us all. So everybody kind of has their own focus, and it's not all on the same thing. (laughs) So later on the Rossi, Clarissa's recovering from the side effects of using her mods and getting a pep talk from Amos when Holden enters to talk to her. Interesting that Amos stays put for the conversation. You think? Yeah. Because I kind of felt like, yeah, I'm not leaving. I'm protecting her. Yes. It's kind of his MO anyway. Right. So Holden acknowledges she was trying to help. 
He also reminds her that they had a plan in place for a reason and that she shouldn't have deviated from it. As long as she's part of the crew, she has to do what the captain says. Now, he's firm but fair, and Clarissa smiles as he exits. And Amos goes, you know you just got chewed out, right? And Clarissa says, so? That's the first time he said I was part of the crew. I have to tell you, when Holden's like, can I talk to her? And he's like, yeah. Even when Clarissa's looking at him like, that means go. Yes. Like She's looking at Amos like, eh. You know, like, head nod, like, move your ass. Okay, I can talk to him. But... I mean, I guess that was like a sweet gesture, like, hey, you're part of the crew. But I feel like Amos should have picked up on that before Clarissa. Right. It's like he doesn't just chew people out for the hell of it, you know? But I don't know. I like that it's like, okay, they're coming around. And it's weird how everybody's covering for everybody. But I guess that's the crew. Because, I mean, Bobby pretty much hit the nail right on the head when she came on. She's like, oh, this is just... A lovely dynamic happening right now. Everybody's mad at everybody. And okay. So I'm hoping that this was, I can't say the change we needed, but just a little bit to move them forward, to shift them back into where they're comfortable with each other. And it's like, okay, things are going to move like the Rossi was before. It's like everybody can anticipate what was needed. I mean, Naomi having a problem, even when Holden asked her, are you okay or are you okay not talking right now? And it's like the second one is like, okay, I get it. There's stuff we can't talk about. You need time to process. Got it. Peaches. uh, All right. You need to listen. You're part of the crew. Peaches covering for Naomi. It's like, oh, don't worry. I got it. Yeah. I'm sure she's probably like, okay, she's freaking out. She went through like a, a whole lot of shit. Right. And then there's Amos like, I don't know what's going on. Just pay me. I need to hurt somebody. (laughs) Like, okay, Amos has pretty much always been Amos, except that, like, tiny soft spot he suddenly had for Peaches. Right. So, I don't want to say I'm glad for what happened, but I feel like it was necessary. And then maybe Bobby in place was exactly what they needed to start getting everything, like I said, back to going the right way. I feel like I went on a whole lot for (laughs) that one. Good points, because something's got to bring the crew back to being as tight as they were. When they were going after the proto-molecule, that's for sure, because we haven't seen that. And maybe having the quote-unquote mother load of information, it's like, hey, we can get this information out there. We can destroy all these and move forward and actually go after Marco and take the fight to him and not be hiding, just trying to get these rocks. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely what the new coalition needed, was to not have to keep their ships in Earth orbit to destroy all the incoming rocks. Now that they know where they all are, they can go out, take them out, and start taking the fight to Marco instead of being in defense mode all the times. Right. And this piece in place, so I feel like this is the Rossi-Earth-Mars combo here. Like, that's one piece. And then Drummer going to be getting Golden Bow. That's another big piece. Now, those two have to come together. Right. And then I think that's exactly the wedge we need to get in and take out Marco. Now, I may be super hopeful here because we're only episode (laughs) two. But I think those two, if they can come together, because I feel like they always give us like this big piece. And it's like, all right, we're going to dangle this in front of you and wait till episode six. Right. So (laughs) please don't do that. But 
these two, I think, would be the perfect combo. Like, Drummer somehow gets the information to to Naomi, and they're like, wait, we can work together. We have all these, like, spies within. And then maybe the one girl whose name escapes me, who's working with Marco, maybe she's undercover. Rosenfeld, yeah. Yes. So, who knows? This could be a trifecta. I'm not holding my breath, but... I'm excited to see where we're going. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be a, an amazing ride. Yes. Did we get any feedback this week? Well, we do have some feedback this week from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. So let's find out what he thought about episode two. Hello, Steve and Sean and all listeners to the Fangirl Zone. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for DX Bonds Season 6, Episode 2. Great visuals again this episode, really, really good. I think this is one of the episodes they spent quite some money. And I love the interaction between Avazarla and Monica Stewart. Holden did reprimand Clarissa for her actions, but on the other side he also actually accepted her in the crew. And I think Naomi will also turn around, finally. Marco's second in command will just stay around and... Will survive, I think. Uh, he also needs that a little bit. But I think she has a good feeling what is the limit. She won't go over the edge, I think. And that guy Drummer is connecting to. I don't think he will turn on her and betray her and give her to Marco. He just hates Marco enough to do that. And perhaps she lured him into doing more important things than the things he now does. He has, I think, ego enough for that. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Have a nice Christmas, which will be limited here in the Netherlands, because since today, uh, December 19th, we are in full lockdown again because of the new Omicron variant of COVID until the 14th of January. Well, sorry to hear that Netherlands is locked down again, Fred. That's a shame. Yeah, but it's not surprising. So sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely it is. And we pretty much agree with everything you said. Definitely that Clarissa was kind of put in her place, but she did save Bobby's life. So that was a, a plus. And hopefully Naomi will come around as well. We shall see. I'm hoping Naomi comes around, and I hope you're right with Drummer's Drummer, guy. Not, yeah, Walker. Yeah, not, not turning on her. I just can't trust anything anymore. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult to trust anybody, especially, <laughs> well, any human at this point in time, no matter what their affiliation is. <laughs> right. I still don't know about the second in command with Marco because I just still feel like maybe she's a plant. Maybe she's not really on his side. I guess we'll find out. You think she's going to make it? We'll see what happens there. Right. <laughs> yeah. It will be interesting to see how this character plays out, because I really believe that there's more going on with her than what we're seeing right now. That's for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how this goes. As always, Fred, we really appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you again. Thanks, Fred. Well, you know how we feel. We want to know how you feel. So shoot us an email. Shoot us a little blurp. You can contact us on Facebook, on Twitter, on email. You can do it audio, however you want to do it. 
because there's so many ways to get a hold of us. You can go to www.fangirlzone.com, check the contacts page, and there's a whole slew of ways to send us information. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, tell your friends about The Expanse. They could totally binge watch everything, catch up to you, and then you can talk about it together. I don't know if they can binge read everything because the books are pretty big and I still have not gotten through the first book. I will have to say, I apologize. I did promise one of our listeners last season, I'm like, I'm going to read that first book. I have an an eye issue with my retina, so I apologize. I did not get through the book. It's very slow moving now because it's harder for me to read. I think I'm going to have to just get it on audio and listen while I do things, and maybe I can finally get through the book. So, dear listener, I will get there. It may be when everything's done, but I swear to you I will get there. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. Wow, you really give a good guilt trip. And until next time.